Please listen carefully. Hello, universe. Welcome to the Optimist Daily Update. I'm Summers McKay. And I'm Christy Jansen, and we are part of the team behind the Optimist Daily, making solutions the news. We bring you reader-funded solutions news every day in order to change the tenor of news media, social media, and the direction of your day to help us all get focused on solutions. Seven days a week, we publish positive news stories written by award-winning journalists and delivered online to your inbox and through our social channels. And also, we are sharing these solutions in a commute-worthy, walk-worthy, home office-worthy, get-ready-for-the-day-and-put-on-your-makeup-worthy podcast. Today is Friday, the 6th of May, 2022. Hello, Christy. How are you today? Good morning, Summers. I'm I'm just fine. I'm just chilling. Chilling? Chilling on a chilling. Friday. I'm glad it's Friday, <laughs> to say. Boy, the week this week feels like fast. it's gone so fast, but uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, I look forward to the weekend. Yes, absolutely. So um, what is your morning routine generally, like on Fridays or on, like, what what do you do in the mornings when you get ready? Well, most, well, I get up. I do a little yoga, I have some coffee, I do a little writing, I read the news, I do my Wordle, my, well, I do all these little word games that take mm-hmm. me, like, each one takes me a few minutes, but that, it cleanses my mind of other things. <laughs> and then I, you know, I'll take a shower, I'll get dressed, and uh, then I start my day. Oh, I have yeah. to take the dog for a walk as well. Right. I don't know. Right. It's It takes me at least two hours bef- to from get when your I day get out started. of bed to when I get going because I have to, I've, I have my, my personal care and I have the dog personal care. I have mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. What about you? Right. Uh, well, likewise, it takes several hours, I think for the day to start. But what I, what I've gotten into the habit of doing is, well, first the cats wake up at five and then the dog wakes up at five fifteen. So I have to get up and sort of move them out of the way so they don't wake my daughter up who then she wakes up at six o'clock on the dot most mornings, like unbelievable. So then it's breakfast, it's animal care, daughter care, getting, you know, my daughter into her stroller and our puppy onto a leash. And then we go for a walk and then we come home. And of late, Brennan has been very, very excited to watch mommy do her makeup. And she actually stands next to me on her little stool while I wash my face and, and put on makeup in the morning. And of, and lately, she's been asking if she can use mascara, which is very, very funny because I did not realize that a two-and-a-half-year-old would be so impressioned by her mom putting on mascara. But it's kind of one of those first little girl things that – Mm-hmm. You know, the the princess clothes and the mascara. And so when the guest that we have on today for the Optimist Daily Update came to our attention um, when our producer, Carissa, brought her to us, I really smiled because my daughter really does think that my mascara wand is a magic wand. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> mascara wands kind of are magic wands. But... uh Christy, who are we talking to today on the Optimist Daily episode? Well, I mean, and I guess this, we can get into this and sort of drawing us into their story mm-hmm. is the whole point of the wands. But we are happy to invite onto the podcast today, Jen Knight, who is the board president and education chairperson for Wands for Wildlife, which is a really interesting nonprofit 
that uh, we're thrilled to bring onto the podcast. Jen, welcome. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Oh, Jen, so, what is um, your more? What's your morning routine? Uh, yeah, let's let's. Do I that. have a seven and a three year old. So seven and three. All right. My routine is much more hectic than 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 yours. I think <laughs> it's uh, a lot of running around. Our lunch is packed. Where are your shoes? And then if I can squeeze it in some weeding outside is my moment of zen. Oh, oh I love actually gardening and weeding. That is definitely my favorite zen too. Well, all right. So we're not actually here to talk about our morning routines, but instead we're here to talk about a fascinating and viral sensation that came from an idea about wands for wildlife. Now, Everyone get in your head the image of tiny, cute little creatures being groomed with mascara wands, right? Clean, recycled yeah, not mascara, mascara wands. Yeah. There's, there's no not mascara, mascara on it, right? Clean, recycled <laughs> mascara wands. Imagine like that teeny tiny little squirrel being rehabilitated and gently combed. And you can just like imagine little squirrel chirping in delight as it's getting groomed. Now, that is the cute image that has launched this incredible story that you guys have been on a journey for. Jen, what is Wands for Wildlife? Great question. So Wands for Wildlife, uh, we are a nonprofit that repurposes mascara wands for use in wildlife care, as well as art and education. This started back in 2017 as just a, a social media post. This was never a planned thing. <laughs> this is just one of those things the universe kind of throws at you. But one of the founders of um, a local wildlife clinic here, uh, Savannah Trantham, just put out into the universe, hey, if anybody is cleaning out a makeup drawer and has any old mascara wands, bring them down here to Appalachian Wildlife Refuge. We use them. They're great for grooming small animals. A friend of hers is a makeup artist shared the post, it went viral, and Appalachian Wildlife Refuge started receiving hundreds and then thousands of mascara wands from around the world, around the world, Indonesia, I mean, everywhere. Uh, so this went on for a couple of years. They kept coming. Uh, some cosmetics companies contacted them with discontinued or defective wands that had never been used. And eventually, this became such a big project. Um, it was starting to take resources and take capacity from the clinic. And that is the, the mission of, of, for them is to, of course, help uh, local wildlife. And so the other co-founder of, of Appalachian Wildlife Refuge, Tashi Brewster, said, you know what? We, this, is, this is too big. This has too big a scope. We're, we're talking national and international now. This needs I mean, to... you're getting wands from Poland, so... Exactly. <laughs> so in 2020, a group of us helped disconnect it and launch it as an independent nonprofit so that we could each focus on what was, you know, critical. Yeah. And what is, what is your, the Wands for Wildlife? What's your mission at... Uh... Great. Yes. So... Our mission is ultimately support for wildlife caregivers and education. 
this is, we have collected since 2017, over a million wands, almost a million and a half wands, which is so hard to picture. (laughs) Just imagine, you know, a large, big Rubbermaid tote. Now imagine, I don't know, a hundred of those, all filled with mascara wands. And so this is a big topic because this is a great step. Obviously, this resonates with people. This is a tangible thing um, to do to help that baby animal you see on the screen. Right. But is this a long-term solution for this piece of plastic? And the short answer is no. Uh, You know, reduce, reuse, recycle in that order. First step is just reducing the amount of of plastics of anything that we use day to day. Second best option is to reuse things. And that's where we are with wands for wildlife. We're mm-hmm. really not recycling these wands. We are reusing them. But mm-hmm. after um, a wildlife clinic or home-based rehabber uses these, it gets thrown away. Uh, it's still right. going to a landfill. Now, mm-hmm. it's great that we have found a way to extend the life of this product. And it is a fabulous tool. Let me address that first. Why wands? <laughs> Those stiff, short bristles that are so great for combing through the delicate hair on your eye or on your eyelid is for those same reasons, excellent for grooming delicate feathers and fur of orphaned animals. Often when they come into um, a rehab facility, they're covered in parasites, things like fly eggs and larvae that their mother would otherwise have groomed off of them. Right. It's like the little tongue of the, of the mother or the, you know, that, yeah. Little beak or tongue. Yeah. Home-based rehabbers, especially they're paying for everything out of pocket. They are resourceful people and have learned that these wands are great for other things too. Um, There are a lot of little bits and pieces that go into wildlife care. Um, We use small syringes to, as bottles essentially, (laughs) and those need to be cleaned. Um, Aquatic animals like turtles have filters that have lots of itty bitty pieces that need to be scrubbed. So these are essentially tiny bottle brushes. Right. I was just thinking this is like a bottle brush or like a straw brush. Now I want to use recycled. I want to use my wands to to clean my daughter's like straws in her water bottles. (laughs) Maybe not for human use. Clean it really well. But something that you're going to drink out of what that. Man, I use them for cleaning around sinks and like little faucet pieces. They're great. So that is why we use wands in the first place. Right. Um, Okay. And and reuse them. And so we realize we have this huge audience of people who want to connect with us. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people over the years. And they want to take a great step towards supporting wildlife or, you know, integrating um, sustainability more into their lives. So we want to also take advantage of this sort of gateway step and what other paths can we set you on? Which, I mean, I just, I just want to learn a bit more about you personally, your, your journey from reading your bio, and you can tell us directly, you started out as a field work conservationist or naturalist really got connected to uh, the idea of educating and that's uh, right storytelling. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how and how you came to be what you're doing now? 
both professionally and this is a role which is a purely volunteer role i i think yes that's right in, yeah so yeah so talk about your your personal journey as well uh yeah i'm my degree is in wildlife ecology and conservation i started on sort of a research track and did a lot of field tech sorts of things in college, mist netting and radio uh, collar studies, things like that, which was super cool. A lot of time in the woods. But I was also volunteering with uh, the Natural History Museum where I went to school in, in Gainesville, Florida. And I loved it. I loved being a docent. I loved doing school groups. I love to talk, obviously, <laughs> and uh, in <laughs> research. You spend a lot of time by yourself. You spend a lot of time on a computer, either hunting down money or writing up your work. And I felt like ultimately I was getting more satisfaction out of the interpersonal connection and sharing the stories about nature um, and about wildlife as a way to do my part for them. And maybe that's where I would be most effective. So I kind of switched my concentration to education, took some ed classes, and that's been my path ever since. So I have an environmental educator ever since then. And I am now um, the co-education director at um, the Balsam Mountain Trust, which is a small nonprofit here in Western Carolina. And then I, in my spare time, I, I have been <laughs> working with Wands for Wildlife. First, I, I was on the development committee um, for Appalachian Wildlife Refuge, which is how I started with the Wands Project and then uh, helped Tashi form it into. So, with the work that Wands for Wildlife does and, and that you do in education, obviously there's something very compelling about the story and the, you know, just the storytelling around um, animal rehabilitation. And before we started recording the pod, we talked a little bit about that more often than not, you see campaigns for international efforts to support wildlife, right? So we're looking at saving elephants or saving tigers this really is drawing a lot of attention to domestic U.S.-based wildlife yeah, North, and the bio North American wildlife. Yeah, North American wildlife and the and the biodiversity that exists right here. What do you think is been the positive effect that Wands for Wildlife has brought? To, you know, in, from an attention standpoint to that, are there any stories of victory or success that have come out? Any organizations that have had a lot more awareness? or help because of the work that Wands for Wildlife is doing? Sure. I think there has been overall a greater shift towards focusing on sort of your backyard wildlife and that it has value too. Um, you know, squirrels and raccoons and foxes, those are exotic animals in other parts of the world. Yes. And we yell at them for getting in our trash. So there's always that kind of grass is always greener or that um, human focus on what is novel, what is exotic, what is different. Mm -hmm. But we have some of the most biodiverse places in the world right here in North America. We have some really unique worth saving. What I think this program has really brought attention to is the field of wildlife rehabilitation that it exists, that it is something that happens in people's homes. The bulk of wildlife rehabilitation is what is called home-based rehab. And these people are, are complete volunteers. They have to be registered with their state, but all of the gear that they use, formula for all these babies, that is all out of pocket. 
And so that's been part of what we have done is this is a free tool that we're sending them. We sent out over 200 resource packs last year, which included wands and gloves, but we have been able to use our donor base to help raise money and also other supplies like incubators for some of these home-based rehabbers Mm -hmm. that are are big ticket items for somebody doing this Mm -hmm. on their own. Right. Tell us some stories about what kinds of things are being rehabilitated and what is that process? And then what happens, you know, after the few months of recovery and then what happens? The goal with rehab is always release. We see a lot of squirrels, a lot of possums, Mm -hmm. rabbits, and baby birds are some of the most common animals that will come into a rehab facility. Often these guys are are orphaned. They're typically not coming in with mom, which is why that wand is so important, not just because they need physically to be cleaned, but that act of grooming is yeah. another component of welfare. It is feeling like I am being cared for. I am being, um, somebody is, is with me. This is the type of touch I should be receiving. Some babies... You know, mom has to has to lick them to get them to go potty. And that is mm-hmm. like a, a an important part of their biology. Well, I mean, even kittens and, and puppies, that's what, it, you know, that's how they learn to go potty. But it's it's a huge drive and uh, for mammals, at mm-hmm. least, and probably reptiles. I mean, I remember the what Harlan's monkey studies where they were. Um, they chose the 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 fur covered. Oh yes, wire wire mother and soft you know. mother. Wire mother. They want the soft mother because physical touch is so essential to psychological and social development. Mm-hmm. We are just as scientists starting to scratch the surface of the sort of mental or psychological mm-hmm. um, elements of animal welfare. Mm-hmm. And what that really means, especially how we um, address just mental stimulation in, in animals in captivity. There's a lot of fascinating research going on there. And this, it can be a small component of, mm-hmm. of that welfare in rehab, which the, the closer we get to replicating wild conditions, the more prepared these animals will be to return to the wild. We do not want them to think of of humans as mom. We do not want them to be comfortable around humans. We want this to be as close to the real thing as possible because that is what makes a successful release. Um, And so I will clarify here, I say we, but (laughs) Wands for Wildlife is not a uh, rehabilitation facility. So none of us get to do the fun uh, baby grooming. (laughs) We are sending all of these supplies out to help, but that is... Currently where we are. We, the mission, we are, that's the mission for the work that, you know. That is our mission. Know, that's right. For, so yeah. I speak collectively, right. but. Well, you, you've you just completed Earth Month, right? And that that was really when you do your wand drive. And, and I think we can all just lovingly acknowledge that they're very valuable tools, but you have a million wands. You probably don't need that much more. Um, but I was looking on the site and you guys seem to be geniuses of marketing because I just completely got sucked into the wild baby shower. 
where it is a link on their site you guys where you can go and donate to a wild baby shower and like with five clicks you're on an amazon shopping list of all the things that they need for baby animals and i think that the packaging of that right so then in a few clicks people can donate supplies donate things other than wands there's obviously adorable merchandise but donations are really important for you guys because you are literally putting together kits and sending them to these caregivers and these organizations. So the mission of Wands for Wildlife is really supporting those who are caregivers, right? Who are rehabilitation uh, facilities and individuals. Who, I guess, what has it been like being in this sort of marketing explosion and this viral sensation? Has it ever sort of rocked you guys? Have has it just been a lot of fun? What what's the feeling that comes around with this? All of the above. I mean, we are constantly <laughs> blown away every time. We I, you want to talk about some stories? We get really beautiful letters uh, with the ones we've gotten. We just got a letter the other day from a woman whose mother had recently passed. And she was starting that process of going through her mom's things and found our uh, wand donation form in her mom's makeup stuff. And that her mom had been putting wands aside. She had, you know, put aside five of them. She had filled out the form and her daughter found this. And it was just this really beautiful connection she didn't know her mom was doing this you know she knew her mom was a a wildlife lover had started getting into bird watching and here was something new to learn about her mom still and so she collected some of her own wands and sent them in and really felt like she was helping her mom you know continue to do this work even you know (laughs) after her mom's death and this is really beautiful note and it is not even the first one like that, that we have received, we've gotten some beautiful letters from young kids, a 14 year old, 15 year old girl who starting to wear makeup, you know, saw somebody's post about this on Instagram. And this is as a young consumer starting them off on thinking about where are these products ending up? How does what I buy and what I do affect the rest of the world around me? So we get these glimpses into these these people's lives and, and so many reasons that they're sending things in. And it's pretty magical to be a part of that. So it yeah. is totally a roller coaster. Well, I think there is an intimacy around makeup as well. And that um, mother-daughter intimacy that you just were speaking of, and even I'm sensing with my own daughter right now that just this, when I think of my grandmother, I immediately think of her perfume, right? That that scent, this, you know, and when I think about watching my mom as a little girl, watching my mom do her makeup, and there is something very tender about that mascara moment, and mm-hmm. I, I think that that also is part of what draws women into this storytelling. And I think, I mean, a te- that's a testament to the grooming, even with mm-hmm. the animals, where we're, you know, you're using these these tools as a, a grooming tool to help sort of bring the the, the mothering experience mothering. to these these baby animals, these baby orphans. I, I just think it's a very interesting circle of life type of moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was curious, 
I think you mentioned that you use these, the wands, because you've had an overabundance of this particular tool, which yes, you put it into the, the whole kits, but um, the tools are, uh, you know, there's a lot of other things that go into it, but you said that you use them in, in art installations and you use them. Um, there's other things that you actually have ended up finding purpose for these the second millions life of, these of ones. ones. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. talk about that. Um, because I think that's also another educational tool that you mm-hmm. can um, absolutely connect with people. There is something staggering about seeing thousands of these in one place. And we've been trying to launch our wand art program. And a few years ago, I think it was 2019, we were just kind of pitching the idea around and a local high school art teacher said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do a project with them. We'll make a mural. And I said, here, take 2000 of them, go nuts, get them out of the basement. And the mural that they came up with was so beyond anything we could have come up with. This was uh, Asheville high art honor society students. It is six feet by four feet. It's a barn owl taking flight. They set the whole thing in resin epoxy it weighs a million pounds and it's gorgeous and we have had it on display at the Asheville Museum of Science at the North Carolina Arboretum it is now on display at the Asheville Mall as a part of um, our uh, Earth Month display but it catches the eye it's gorgeous you can see it on our website uh, wandsforwildlife.org under wand art but it besides being beautiful you also realize oh my god that's 2,000 wands and they've collected over a million. And that's a lot of plastic. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And that's, that is what we want the thought process to be. That's creative. That's beautiful. But also, oh my gosh, look at all of that. So it's a, it's a powerful, it can have a powerful impact. Which, and you, in the beginning of this conversation, you're talking about the whole reuse, recycle, you know, reduce. And uh, we cover those kinds of solutions a lot on the optimist daily um we're we're big fans of talking about like period products that aren't uh just disposable right mm-hmm. um we've mm-hmm. we've we've done some I- interesting work there this is another i mean makeup products are designed to be used for a short period of time and then tossed or i mean this is a very interesting question that i'm only now just thinking about because mascara you're only supposed to use it for what three months or something before you have to get a new tube of it i wonder are there any i didn't know i didn't know i had to get rid of my mascara that soon i think i have mascara that's years old that's the that's the recommended sell by date life right yeah Uh, use by date right whether we follow that or not it's designed to be disposed of after a very short period of time really mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're giving a second life to these wands but there's the plastic tube it comes in i'm just curious like are there ways that we can think about incorporating more of a circular system something that isn't so disposable even in our personal care products this is mm-hmm. another personal care product great nonprofit tackling just that that we have recently partnered with and that is packed collective and they are doing some really interesting work. This is a group of beauty brands started this collective to look at packaging, uh, not just packaging and the products themselves, but even displays that use plastics. Mm-hmm. What materials are we using? Where are they coming from? Can they be recycled? 
So they are starting to work with brands to set up a recycling procedure. A lot of the stuff, the materials are recyclable, but because, you know, those, the, the pans in a pallet are individually recyclable, but it's difficult for a commercial uh, setup to, to take all that stuff apart. So you send it all to Packed Collective. They are manually taking it apart. And then when they get a large enough quantity, then they can work with one of their recyclers. If the material cannot be recycled traditionally, they're doing chemical recycling, which is not, you know, the, the best A plus solution, but it is still, we think, better than a landfill. And so they're looking at, okay, we recycle this stuff chemically. Here's the product that is left over. If this is what we get, this is what we should use to make things going forward, which is really smart. So they have also brought manufacturers into the collective to work on those programs. So we are going to be working with them to potentially start recycling some of the excess wands that we have. And we want to be really transparent with people about that too, that these wands that you send in might go to wildlife care. They might go to an art project. They might go to one of our education kits that we're developing for schools. It might get recycled. That's still better than ending up in a landfill. In a landfill. But we want people to think about all of those things. And so the next product that you buy, ask those questions. Where are they getting their materials from? How often can I reuse it? Because there's a lot of exciting brands that are starting to think really critically about those questions. Mm-hmm. I know I'm Love looking it. at Pack Collective's Instagram right now, and they have launched, it looks like they're launching some in-store recycling locations that, um, in-store recycling that, because we talk about the problem with recycling all the time is that um, while things can be recycled, they often aren't. And whether that is apparel and fast fashion or makeup, and you know, I I think that this is very very fascinating. And this is the kind of work that once for wildlife, while going viral, while everybody's thinking about cute baby squirrels, really can continue to have an impact. It's using storytelling to advance a mission that is improving the conditions of wildlife for this world and increasing biodiversity and reducing plastic. Which, by the way, increases the experience for us humans who are another exactly. animal living on this planet or and basically needs to be attention. Yeah. We, need, we need this kind of attention to all of our products and how, how, we, how we use um, things. I think we're... We are... Yeah, I know. We, this, is, this is our usual, Christy. Now we're getting into the big, like, esoteric deep thoughts, <laughs> which is so fun. So good. It is like the kind of that earworm, you know, you think about what happens to your mascara wand, then you go, wait, but what happens to the mascara container? Oh, but then what happens to the, the rest of my makeup kit? Mm-hmm. And they start, if you start thinking with, it's like the first step, right? Yeah. And then it, yes. it's exactly. Um, Talking about closing the loop, there's one <laughs> final piece of the puzzle that we are, have launched in a very small way locally, and that is um, getting native wildflower seeds out to donors who have they have donated wands. So they're giving us one tool, and then we are giving them a new tool to help restore habitat locally. And so it's reduce, reuse, recycle, restore, and reduce, reuse, recycle, restore. 
If you want to support wildlife, one of the best things you can do is put native plants in the ground. That mm-hmm. is the highest standard. And this is not limited to, to homeowners or landowners. You don't need a yard. If there is a ditch that you walk by on your way to the bus stop, toss some seeds out there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Every little bit counts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we talk about the, your, that wand you sent may help groom, you know, a little baby possum. But what world are we sending that possum back out into? So let's help on both ends and also improve our local habitat. There's a lot of beautiful work being done about the importance of, of native plants. And that is another piece that we are hoping to start educating on because when we talk about impact, really changing things for wildlife, that is definitely the gold standard. So I know you probably don't have much time left, but that is if I can plant one seed today, literally and figuratively, that is a a, a new, very exciting project that we are just starting to embark on but I think truly completes the loop for us. I think that's such an important picture. And and, and it does, it gives that fourth piece, but it does also complete the circle, especially as you're sending these seeds back to people, wherever they are. And different different parts of our country are going to have different native uh, plants to get connected to. That's why we started locally. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We hope to one day, you know, partner with a a larger seed company, That's going to have many regional specific mixes that people could select. I was was just going to say, we have here in Austin, just outside of Austin, near Fredericksburg, we have um, the largest producer of wild seeds in the country. So they actually have a winery. The company is called Wild Seed. And uh, I think we will have to find a connection between you guys and that, because it's a perfect opportunity for big organizations to really support the mission. And I just, you know, my daughter and I sprinkle wild seeds every weekend on our walks, wherever we go. And it's, we, we've seen it make a difference in the, in the world that we live in. So I hate as always, I dislike as always that we have to end our conversations, but Christy, it's time to ask Jen, our final question that we ask all of our guests on the Optimist Daily Update. Jen, what makes you feel optimistic? I am bolstered by how many people this project has touched. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people have wanted to take a first step. And when things feel hopeless, you think about climate change, plastics problems, and all of these things, people still care and are still wanting to learn how can I do better? What can I do? Somebody tell me, because there's a lot to sift through. So knowing that there's people asking those questions and taking those small steps, that makes me feel hopeful that there's people listening. I love it. I love it. This is so great. This is such a great lead into an amazing weekend ahead. Everybody go do something good for the world. Go spread some wild seeds. Go collect your, collect your makeup ones and make donations. Um, Wandsforwildlife.org is the website. We will link in the show notes. This is such an amazing organization. And just what's amazing about it is exactly as you were saying, Jen, how many people have been touched. And I feel 
elevated from this conversation. Christy, you want to take us home? Sure. And Jen, thanks so much for being here. It's been such an education. And like you said, planting that seed of just asking the question, what are we doing in, in, in our in our daily practice, <laughs> in our personal grooming, and how can we support the work that you're doing? Um, love it. Love it. All right. Thank you so much. It's been great having you. And I, I want to be connected to your organization. I, I want to remind people that yes, while they while Wands for Wildlife does accept used wands, they also really financial donations are really useful to them too. <laughs> so yes. we have really wanna... high uh, postage bills. <laughs> percentage right, exactly. Exact, so. There's it takes it takes resources to run this kind of an operation, and and if you're wanting to send stuff from Indonesia, it might be better just to send the cost of the postage that you w- it would take to send that wand because. Although You've if the, the intimacy of sending that wand feels good, send it along with a check. True, true, true. Yes. <laughs> Local rehabbers who may um, be able to be use able them to use? too, oh, because yeah, the, yep. the carbon footprint of sending something from across the world is yeah. also yeah. not it, it, insubstantial. Exactly. That's what I was, that's what I was getting at. And so we all can do our, our part in our own backyards, but this is a fantastic mission of bringing awareness to this issue. And um, thanks for being here, Jen. It was truly my pleasure. Thank you, ladies. Um, And everybody, thanks for listening to the Optimist Daily Update today with Summers McKay and me and Jen Knight uh, as our guest. We promise to keep sharing positive solution-based stories like this one with ideas like, uh, you know, used mascara ones to uh, connect you with how you can participate in the changing world and ensure it is changed for the good. We promise to keep covering current events with accuracy, legitimate sources, and offering you kinds of information that we all need to chart new paths for all of us. If you haven't already, please consider becoming an emissary on theoptimistdaily.com and for as little as $5 a month, support reader-funded independent journalism. And to support us for free, please share us on your socials, forward a story to a friend, and make sure you leave a positive review for our pod on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, everybody, and we'll be back on Monday with more solutions.